Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails, capture forms, and best practices. Join Street Text at streettext.com. So you're in real estate and you have found success and you've forgotten that you also have to have a life and you also need to be happy or you've made it to the point where you've now scaled a team and you have found your life back, but now you're working your team to death and you're struggling to keep them happy. Well, you're in luck because we are going to be interviewing a guest today who is the author of a book called Delivering Happiness. And she has figured this thing out and she is going to share with all of us how we can find more happiness, more harmony uh, so that we can be successful and happy. And those of you that are leaders can help do that for your team as well. Jen Lim, I am specifically and selfishly excited to talk to you because I have a team of over 120 people, and it's always a challenge to keep everyone happy and humming at the same time. So I am excited to talk to you. So welcome to the show, Jen Lim. Thank you, Jeff. Just uh, if you don't mind, just a correction. It's uh, the latest book is a, a different name. So Delivering Happiness was the book that Tony Shea, the late CEO of Zappos and I launched in 2010. And the latest book that's about to launch, well, launching in October, is called Beyond Happiness. So just a question, uh, correction there. Thank you for doing that. I am I'm so excited to talk to you that I was looking at the wrong line. <laughs> okay. so I'm, I'm glad you did that. So CEO of Delivering Happiness. So here's what I would like you to do for us, because there's Delivering Happiness, and then there's Beyond Happiness, which is the book, and it's how authentic leaders prioritize purpose and people for growth and impact. So, and, and one of your partners is the ex-CEO or heavily involved with Zappos, which is a company that everybody knows. I think you have some, you have a history with Zappos. So mm-hmm. tell us about who the heck you are, how you kind of came up to, you know, came up in business, what led you to where you are today, and then what is delivering happiness? And then, of course, we're going to talk about beyond happiness. So tell mm-hmm. us who you are. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I don't know how many people have known about the book from your audienceship of essentially so the as i mentioned the ex ceo of zappos the late ceo of zappos he uh tony shea and i launched delivering happiness which was a book in 2010 and from that point in time uh we realized there was a, a demand for happiness in the world so I've been running that company. Uh, so both of us co-founded the company called Delivering Happiness, which essentially helps organizations, teams, and now governments and hospitals, basically workplaces to understand how do you apply scientific happiness to your people so that not only are they happier than your customers are happier, but you'll also have a more successful and sustainable business while creating fundamentally more meaningful lives, not in the rainbows and unicorn sense, but like with a higher purpose. So fast forward, here we are, you know, 11 years later, uh, about to launch Beyond Happiness. And it's, like I really wanted to capture all these stories of how people did it for themselves. 
And I think especially for your audience, one thing to remember, and I, I'm familiar with real estate because uh, my, my dad built a business, was an entrepreneur in that decades ago. And so it's not an easy life. But one thing I know is like, you know, he worked his butt off to get to where he could get, you know, as an immigrant, he didn't have, he had, you know, dollars in his pocket, all that stuff when he came from Hong Kong. And it's not an easy business, but I think that now what we have, whereas what he didn't have, or even my grandparents didn't have, was the luxury of actually asking ourselves, because they were hustling to put food on the table and build the business. And of course, they had to do that. They were building a family, they were building a company. Now we have the luxury of time to ask ourselves, what is it? that comes first? Is it success that brings us happiness or is it happiness that brings us success? And my, you know, dad, my grandpa, my, you know, they never had a chance to ask that, but now we do. So time and time again, through all the research that's been going on with the scientific happiness, it is actually those that are happier that are more successful. And of course, you know, everyone has their own subjective de definition of what success means and also what happiness means. But it, it's it's like no longer a need for us to think, oh, yeah, when, you know, when I get, you know, make this much money, I'll be happy. It's actually the other way around of having that fulfillment in life, having that sense of meaning that actually makes us more successful, not just from a monetary financial standpoint. And I have like a lot of examples of how companies are doing that, but also within ourselves, like on a day to day basis to make sure we're not. You know, forgetting why we're trying to be successful in the first place, which is to serve the people we love. And that includes ourselves. So one of the metaphors I use in the book is we're here as leaders to grow other greenhouses, but so often as leaders, we forget to grow our own and nurture our own greenhouse as we're building these things and seeing great uh, you know, growth around us. So I think that's a really important thing, especially with this you know, with, with your audience is to, as we grow and grow and build and build, just don't forget to nurture your own greenhouse as well. So let me ask you this. I've got, that's a lot to unpack and I've got a lot of questions, but I want to, I want to stay, I want to digress because I want to know and understand how, what lead, what led you to this point? You know, you use the word science of happiness, which I would, you know, my first thought is, is it science, which obviously, you know, hell of a lot more than I do, but I'm thinking like psychology, of yeah. happiness. And so, first of all, what led you to this path? Uh, yeah. To say, I'm going to write a book about delivering happiness. And so, what, 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 what tell us about that? Yeah, of course. And I, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. It's a great question because when I talk about the science of it, and I talk about positive psychology quite a bit. And these are the reasons why I even got turned on to this whole idea of what does happiness mean? Because I was not, as growing up, I was not the happy go lucky you know, kid, I was a cynic, you know, I was existential. I was asking all these questions, like, what, what are we here for? I mean, like, I don't know, um, in, in what, where, where you went to high school and what you were listening to, but I was listening to like the gritty stuff by the cure and Depeche mode. I mean, early stuff, not the, you know, top 40 shit. I don't know. Sorry. I just cussed, but You're going, you're hopefully okay. that's okay. And yes, it's just, I was just searching for something that is bigger and trying to answer what am I here for? And then fast forward, you know, I got, I graduated from Cal. 
I was doing all the things, UC Berkeley, I was doing all the things I was supposed to, like my parents from Hong Kong, again, immigrants, no money. And I was supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer in the very minimum. And I totally went the other route. I majored in Asian American studies, which really freaked them out because they're like, are you freaking kidding me? Because like, we can tell you what your Asian American <laughs> studies is all about. If you come home more often and then we'll take care of that. Why are, we, why, why are we paying for this again? So, but I did it because I felt, it was the first time I felt like I was so impassioned about a topic. And it was actually in retrospect, the first time I stood up for myself, knowing that there was a lot of pressures and, you know, wanting to be successful in life. So that led up to me graduating with this degree and then Instead of them freaking out, I freaked out because I couldn't find a job. So I knew what they were talking about. But luckily for more, luckily for me, the internet was born in here in Silicon Valley. And I live in the Bay Area. And I got swept up in the whole dot-com craze. And it was amazing. You know, money, title, status fell on my lap. And it was a heyday that we've never seen before or will we ever see again. So all that taught me to say, oh, okay, well, now at least I can tell my parents I have a job. But then, as we all know, the end of that story, the dot-com busted and everything was gone. Like my money title status pretty much left overnight. I got laid off. I felt like a failure. I was fired. And I, at that point, realized, you know what? This is not what my values are. This is not what's most important to me. And it, within that same year... So 9-11 happened, I got laid off, and then I found out my dad had stage three colon cancer. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, I was just so focused on these things that I thought meant something to me intrinsically, but they were just all material. So that's when I started expanding my own you know, goals, my own values, my own sense of purpose in life and understanding what does this really all mean? And that's when I got turned on to science of happiness. I started through um, Tony and, and he was like, hey, these are pretty cool books. Take a look. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there is something really cool here. There's actual data and research of people wanting to understand what we can actually focus on so that we're not thinking about what's wrong with us, but we can think about what's actually right with us and focus on those things in a more positive way so that we're growing with meaning and better connections and better progress and ultimately ultimately a better sense of purpose in our lives. So that's when I got turned on to all this stuff. And that's almost you know, 20 years ago where I was just like, wow, this, this happiness thing isn't just rainbows and unicorns. It's actually coming back to the more intrinsic things of why we are here on earth. You know, why do we live? Why do we do the things that we do? Gosh, and this is so deep. And so I've, I've got a million, I could just probably talk to you all day. It would be um, very easy to do that. But I want, I want to stay, I want to try to stay on task here because this isn't about me, although I am the one who gets to interview you. I, I, want, to, I want to relate this obviously back to business. And, and so I'm going to use myself as an example because, you know, I, I work a lot and, and um, you know, you, I would agree with the statement that money doesn't buy happiness, right? Money, you, you can look at it a variety of different ways and I won't go down that rabbit hole, but at the same token, success, 
which most of us Americans quantify that as a monetary you know, gain, right? That's, that's success. You're making money. Now, what level is up to you as an individual? But I, I would say that, that, that when, you, when you have that success, when you make that money, you know, there is a level, there is a degree that it takes a, a separate weight off your shoulders that creates a lot of stress. And, and, and then the, the, the byproduct of that is allows you, you know, I, I think the lack of weight on my shoulders allows me to be happier. Uh, it allows me to be more in the moment. It means I can sleep better. It means I'm not always thinking about how am I going to pay my bills uh, or how am I going to withstand the next downturn in the industry? When it comes to money and happiness, and I, and I definitely want to get deeper in it with, with real estate specific, you know, I'm sure you have this conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody says that to you, because, you know, there's two sides of the argument. Anybody who doesn't have money says money doesn't buy happiness. Anybody who does have money says money buys happiness to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on that? Where do, how, how do you articulate <clears throat> the whole money and happiness thing? Because I'm taking saying money and success are hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so much um, we could talk about uh, on that topic of where is that where is that line? Because there's been tons of research that if you hit a certain point of in terms of your income, anything above, I'm just going to put it out there because it's rough now because there's a lot of data that's saying yes and no to this, but roughly 75k in the US, once you go above that, then your more money you make doesn't necessarily add to your happiness. And there's a lot of people that refute that, but that's totally fine. The point is that only you know where that line is. And so you can look at all the data in the world and see whether or not, you know, if you're making enough money, but if unless, and this is a big part of why I wrote Beyond Happiness, unless you know yourself, you know yourself best, then you will know that line because it's easy to say intrinsically or extrinsically, if you make more money, then for you, you'll be more successful. But we also know like based on against on the psychology of it all, there are people that make a lot less than 75 K a year. And they're actually intrinsically happy. Like they're fine with the, the, the hassles and the, the hurdles they have to go through where they don't have enough money. And then of course we know people that are millionaires, if not billionaires that are not intrinsically happy because there's always the next, what's the next realm? What's the next level? What can I do bigger and better? And then therefore that becomes this moving sense of it's like we call it the hedonic treadmill. You're just going on this treadmill, but you're not really going anywhere that's more meaningful for yourself. Sometimes I joke about if you're if money's not making you happy, you're not spending it the right way. And it doesn't mean like another yacht. It doesn't mean a bigger house. It means are you spending it meaningfully for yourself and the people you love? I'll share a story. And I mean, I have like all these different examples of big corporations like Starbucks going through their own revelations of what it means to be happy or at least live by their mission all the way to my own brother. And this story, I think it could be really applicable to your audience because he was like, he is super successful, super, like very, very smart and entrepreneurial. And he built his own business in a way that he was serving in his mind 
what he needed to do for his family because that was his number one priority. He said, this is my number one value. My number one uh, pr priority in life is to make sure my family is safe and sound and happy and healthy. What he realized is that he was spending so much time on the business, he lost sight of those values. So how he knew is like his daughter, after he just started like uh, raising his family, his daughter's like one of her first words was daddy work, daddy work. Hmm. And so he was like asking his wife, like, why is she saying daddy work? And she's like, well, every time she asks, like, where's daddy? I say, daddy's working. And so those were her first one, like first set of words coming out of her mouth where basically he wasn't there. And it just totally struck him. It's like, I'm doing all this for them. And yet I'm not even around. And he, so he did a 180. He did a, a bit of, has this like deep diving needs to happen of like, what's most important? How do we spend our time? Um, one way to think about it is like, what's your compass? You know, what's your North Star? And are you spending that on your clock? Is there a, an alignment there? Because if you really are doing this for the people you love, including yourself, then do you have that priority and prioritization in your time on a day-to-day -day basis in place? And I say this even more uh, passionately because I think as you know, many of you know, Tony passed away, one of my best buds, my business partner, when he was way too young. And everyone has their own path and journey. But what's sad is when people are just working on their resume, working on their, you know, how you can build bigger businesses and they don't necessarily work on their eulogy and what we want to be known for after we pass because we all know steve Jobs said if you're not waking up in the morning saying hell yes sir, this is what i want to do that day will come that's one thing that's totally outside of our control so how can we re refocus our energy refocus our time to make sure we can wake up every morning feeling solid that we're aligned by that because you know we've known by tragedies in the past anything can happen at any time but if we can actually say i'll be okay gone if i'm gone tomorrow because i know i'm aligned with these things that are most important to me then that's what true success to me is all about it's interesting because i think that in listening to you talk it's like it, it it's like there's no there's no one size fits all to what that really means you know what i mean and then when you say that about you know daddy work and i think there's a lot of real estate agents that fall into that category you know we end up finding ourselves because of the way the industry is, we're working around our client schedules, which is nights and weekends. So you're going to spend the daytime hours when everybody else is working, probably working on your business if you're successful, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to spend the nights and the weekends catering to your clients and showing them homes or going to listing appointments or whatever that might be. Um, or you're going to have employees doing that, which then really caught, you know, really cuts into our own personal family lives. Because even if even if we said, well, I'm going to work nights and weekends, then I'll take more time off during the normal hours. Well, your spouse might be working during those normal hours. Your kids are probably in school. And so, you know, so, so how do you recommend, let's just say, you know, I come to you and, and I'm a real estate agent and I say, Jen, I'm working my ass off. I love that I'm making money because it's creating the opportunity for my family to have experiences that most don't, like you said, the person, well, first of all, 75,000 in your market, 
it's probably poverty <laughs> and my mm-hmm. markets are doing just fine, but, but let's just throw the money out, out, out the door and let's just say, okay, now I can, I can take my family to Disney world every year. I can take my family on a cruise. I can create these experiences and these memories that the people that don't make my money, they can't have. That is in my opinion, creating a different level of happiness. It's experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't make it right or wrong. And everybody has a different opinion about it, but if I'm not, present and my family looks at me and says, Oh, you know, okay, great. We get to take these trips, but you're either not at dinner every night or you're on your phone while we're at dinner and we never have movie nights. And it's the simple things we never get to do. You know, what do you tell somebody that is seeking that or says, I need that because this almost goes into the scaling of a business more so than just happiness. But I imagine this is a conversation that you guys probably have had a million times over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say time and time again, and, and as easy slash hard as it is to build a business, what really comes back down to it in the end is how intentional we are with our time. Because really, that's the only thing we have uh, in terms of like, you know, how we dedicate our time in life and not just work because work life, we believe in work life integration is one and the same. So what I would say to that is that again, number one, get to know yourself best in terms of doing the deep dive, doing the hard question, answering the hard questions of like, what's most meaningful to me. And am I living my life that way? That's just the most high level I can say without going deeper in, in ways I talk about and exercises I have in the book and understanding yourself of your own personal highs and lows, your own, not only strengths, but your also shadow sides and, and weaknesses and being able to have a more accurate picture of who you are as a human being and how you want to live and how you want to spend your time. And then from that, that's when we can be more intentional about our time. So it's easy to say, yeah, I need to, you know, want, I want to take a trip and I want to take my family to Disney World again next year and they'll all be happy. And that's an experience, which is an important, but how much is it communicated in a way that is understood of what knowing that, hey, if you don't, let's just say like these, these are basically, it comes from values into behaviors and rituals that we have for ourselves and for the people we love. So it's basically saying no phones at the table or Monday nights, whatever it is, everyone has a busy schedule, whether it's your, your partner or your kids, Monday nights, this is our ritual for us together. And that time, even though we're, we're all you know crazy busy, is intentional and only you, and I don't know your, you personally other than like this conversation we're having, but only you can actually be the leader of that. And if you don't do that, then that time and communication and ability to connect in a meaningful level with your people that you love gets lost. So as hard as it is to set these schedules and rituals, I think that's what the most important thing that we need to do right now, especially after COVID, especially now we know what it truly means to have work-life integration and remote work and everything's just super blended, you know, like you know, conference rooms are closets and people are just kind of dealing with it um, because they have to. But until we get more intentional about our, again, higher purpose, our values that we want to live by, and therefore the behaviors that we set in terms of, like, for example, for ourselves, if it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. <laughs> like even like 
10 minutes of mindfulness, you know, 10 minutes of just get outside and walk around. And that's, those are the, like, the little things that are important to me, but they make a big difference in trying to be able to do it from a more habitual basis. Otherwise life goes by so quickly, as we all know. I mean, it's like crazy. It's been 18 plus months since the pandemic and how much our lives have changed. And one of the questions I keep asking is, in all my conversations and podcasts and, and keynotes is where were you in 2020 BC? This is a reflection exercise, like before COVID, not, you know, not biblical. <laughs> where were you before, you know, in 2020 BC and where are you now? And just taking those moments to think through that difference of when we were celebrating 2020 as a new year, oh my gosh, the future of <laughs> the future of life is here. And then all that's changed since then. I think those kind of reflections and being able to ask, what do you want to stop? What do you want to stay? And what do you want to start? Because some things actually came out pretty ironically beautiful, you know, after this time of just being locked down and getting to know each other very well. So we want that to stay, but there are some things that's just like, Whoa, I was totally not present. You know, when I was on, I was basically on my phone and on my laptop every day, I need that to stop because I wasn't being present for the people I love. And what do you want to start? Because now it's like, it's almost like a, a blank slate, you know, as to everyone in the, how many times in the world time can we say in the world, in our lifetime, can we say everyone had to hit reset? And I call it the reset of humanity because we're all in the same place now more than ever. And I know there's a lot of different, you know, lifestyles and income inequality and, you know, what, but when you have a pandemic and you have a, a global recession and you have social unrest all in one year, that is like, let's not let that go to waste. Let's make the most of it in understanding what's best for number one, ourselves, be true to that. Uh, and, we, and we say, be true to your weird, authentic self because everyone's weird in a good way and live by our values and purpose and extend that to, to our greenhouses, whether it's the, the teams that we want to grow, like you're 120, I think you said folks, we're building and, and, and growing and it looks amazing like and how there's so much more future for us. But remember again, to make sure you're nurturing your own greenhouse and what that means for you. And only you know how to nurture that greenhouse too. So we've talked about that, working on ourselves and focusing on being intentional with our time and, and, and kind of defining what happiness looks like to you. Mm -hmm. What does it look like? What does that look like for somebody like myself or somebody? It doesn't matter if they have a team of 5,000, 100, 10 or one. Mm -hmm. you also have to, as a leader, have to think about those people, because if you want to have a sustainable business and you don't want to have a lot of turnover and you want to continue to maintain that success and grow that success, mm -hmm. those people not only have to be good, effective, but they need to be happy and they need to be, they, they need to thrive and feel like they're wanted and loved and appreciated. And so what can somebody in that position potentially work on or think about mm -hmm. to be better. Yeah, totally. So these are two exercises that I, I bring about in the book because these concepts that I talk about are and should be very practical. One of the exercises to get to know, to deep dive within yourself is what I call the ha happiness heartbeats exercise. And if you just go through in your own personal life, and this you can do with your teammates as well and the people that you're, you know, you're leading, 
you go through the, your your history of your life in terms of the three highs and three lows and you actually map that out and we just call it out like because happiness is not all about your highs it's actually understanding what were my lowest points so for me my lowest points was i lost my dad uh, my lowest point i lost tony you know those were my lows but i had all these highs and when i identified those things and i started asking myself i can see patterns of what was most important what was most important were the people in my life and me feeling freedom and autonomy and a sense of myself authentically, just like I can be who I am. So that's number one, the first exercise I would, I would uh, suggest. The other one in terms of leading these people and teams that you're building is the will of wholeness exercise. And so essentially now more than ever, everyone wants to be treated as a human being, not just as an employee or as a worker. So the wheel of wholeness if you can imagine a pie and each and there's a bunch of slices in the pie and each of these slices represent a part of our lives that's meaningful so it could be our mental place our emotional place our physical place we're working at home we're working in office it's our um well having a sense of financial stability that's a big piece of the pie and then, of course, our fun and spiritual place or, or purpose, if you want to call it the other way. So when you have this wheel of wholeness, and I would test it out with just like maybe a handful of other people that you lead, like the leaders that you believe can lead your other teammates and just say, hey, this we're going to we're going to do this exercise. And I want to know where you are on each of these pie pieces from a scale of one to ten. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just a snapshot of where you're at. And then that becomes a real dialogue because as a leader, you're asking them what's most important to them and knowing that it's, it's going to change and you need to adapt, et cetera. But at least you're treating them as a whole person, not the person that they're for your, their skill set or the ability to make more money or run the operation more efficiently, et cetera. I think that is especially like you know four million people in april alone quit their jobs and that's insane because we're in a recession and most of these people didn't have a place to go like they didn't even care because they're like you know what i need more flexible hours i need to take care of my family i need you know whatever it is they need and i think by just having this tool is very simple honest dialogue then people feel heard and they feel like okay the big thing too as a leader is like you're not here to solve all their problems you're here to to hold up a mirror to say, this is what I care about you, where you're at. I can't solve everything, but at least we're in this together. That's powerful. And that's great because I think a lot of us in higher level positions, let's just say, feel like we need to be heroes, right? And, mm -hmm. and somebody comes to us and, and they're not happy or they have things going on in their life. We want to try to fix their problems for them. We're guilty of doing this with our loved ones, right? I've been, I've had this conversation with, with, um, with my wife, you know, it's like, you can't fix me. You can't change me. I have to change. And it's going to be as a result of our energies with each other, essentially. Right. I think that's, that's powerful. And, and so when you, when you say that, and you're talking to somebody like myself who says, listen, don't try to solve their problem, hold up the mirror. Is there any certain techniques that you would have? Because when you talk about holding up a mirror, sometimes that can come off as a little, you know, brazen, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, 
hey, I'm not having any success. Well, look in the damn mirror. What are you doing every day? Right. You know, I mean, it's it can come <laughs> yeah. off. How do you how do you how would you advise somebody to handle that conversation or just handle that in general uh, with yeah. someone who they're, who they're you know, guiding? Yeah. Definitely. So one thing I would uh, keep in mind as you're having these conversations is that it's not just just keep in mind, like you're holding the mirror, but also you don't have to be the mechanic. I think those two things just remember to remind yourself. And then just by being able to have and initiate these conversations, be real and vulnerable with yourself in, in your own mirror to them. And it doesn't mean you have to like, you know, tell Mary, like, <laughs> thing that's wrong with your life or, you know, what you're challenged by or what you're like waking up with night sweats about. I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying when you lead by that, with that example of showing, Hey, this is what's going on in my life. Like, this is like, I've been challenged by this. So I hear where you're coming from and it becomes this, it just changes the whole dynamic. And it's like, this is a psychological point of view, but the engagement and the sense of belonging that people need right now is so high because of all these things that are happening in the world that we cannot control. And so for us, I, I see businesses as our modern day villages. We're here, if we could be leaders in our villages of, of showing, hey, we're here this, in this together. And as the world gets up, it increases to be hard to understand or hard to manage or hard to control, when we can create these communities that people can trust each other, have an acknowledgement of our roles and responsibilities, and in the end, most like align with what we believe in as not just making more money, but hey, we're here as human beings and here for each other. That's when you see the other elements of you know, productivity, engagement, and therefore sales and productivity, I'm sorry, profitability grow. And it's it might sound weird that I'm saying this towards the end of this conversation, but it's until you get to that, like the human side of each other, especially now that you see the rewards in spades when it comes to money. That's part of why I really wanted to write this next book is to show it was not just a Zappa story. It's actually now we've seen it from small businesses to, you know, as big brands as Starbucks be able to say, we're going to align on our mission. We're going to align what means the most to us. And then that's like the biggest bet and therefore the reward that people are getting now. What does beyond happiness mean to you? Yeah, I, you know, I, before um, I had five weeks to write the rest of this book and when Tony passed and luckily I have a understanding publisher. So they gave me more time, but what, happened in the course of the year of 2020 i know it didn't just happen to me it happened to everyone like one thing after another, like literally every morning we look at the news like what the what is going on in this world and so with that he passed like right after thanksgiving 2020 and i really had to try and reframe what it is exactly that i was trying to communicate and happiness to many people mean certain things like so to some people it's like rainbows and unicorns to other people that we know like from a more scientific level it's about having a sense of connectedness belonging purpose you know higher meaning something that we're doing that's beyond ourselves or companies making more money 
Beyond happiness means to me being more real about all the different layers and sides of who we are. So I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of this call or podcast is that we all like to focus on, you know, the positive sides of us and the positive things that happen in our life. But we also need to be real about what's not going well. So that happiness heartbeat exercise is like the first way to say not just our highs are important, but our lows and understanding that. And this really touches into the whole conversation we're having about mental, uh, mental space, mental energy, uh, mental stability. And beyond happiness to me is just being real with that within ourselves and then within our organizations of being able to say, look, we know it's not going to be all hunky-dory, but if we're in this together, aligned with our purpose and values, then we will adapt and we can actually see the long-term value of how this adaption will make us more profitable, make us more sustainable, and at the same time, making more you know, meaningful lives within our teams, the employees that we hire and run and, and, are, um, and work with to the greater goal of actually impact, impacting planets and our, our planet and society as a whole. So beyond it means just, I'm just challenging everyone to think a little bit more beyond just what you think happiness means today. But if we're truly wholly realistic about what our other sides are. So again, not, not just the highs, but the lows, not just the strengths, but the shadows, then that's where true meaningful happiness comes in. I love that. Uh, would, would you, and the last thing I'll, I'll ask you is, is, you know, I think that we're guilty in business in general, but definitely in real estate, we're guilty of, of getting lost. And whether you're an individual agent or you, you know, part of a team, you run a team, it's all about, we're so lost in, you know, how many calls did I make? How many buyers do I have? How many sales do I have? What's my volume? What award am I going to win? How much money am I making? Right. And, and I, I, I'm totally guilty of this, that we, that as, as leaders or as individuals, are there any like exercises? So you talked about some of the things, like, I love that, that, uh, you know, where were you in 2020 BC and where are you now? And, and the three highs, the three lows, I love all of this, but is there any, is there any, without getting too hokey, because I think that's what a lot of people, and those of you that made it this far in this podcast, thank you. Uh, because I think some of you, guilty probably heard what this topic was going to be about and thought, uh, you know, this is going to be just hokey rah, rah, right. It's, it's a psychiatrist trying to get inside my head. What would you say, you know, would be an exercise that somebody could, you know, maybe start today, tomorrow to make happiness more of a priority in your business. And I, and I, I assume part of it is, focusing on doing things that you love, focus on doing things that are good uh, because typically the byproduct of that ends up being more business, right? But is there anything that you guys talk about in the book that some, that's tangible that somebody mm-hmm. could take away from this and say, I'm going to go do that tomorrow? Mm, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's quite a few and I'm just trying to think of like, especially given your audience, uh, what would be most practical and, yeah, I mean, to the point of if you've made it this far, then there's something that's speaking to you, like that there is an importance to, like, it just, I just want to like be very straightforward. It's not that I'm against, I'm totally for, there's a whole chapter about not just the re- return on investment, 
which is a given. Like if there's no profit, there's no people or culture or purpose to talk about. Like, let's be real as you know, entrepreneurs and, and, and business people, like that's a given. So I just want to make sure that's known. And what I talk about in the book is like, it's not just so only the old ROI, it's also the new ROI, which is your ripple of impact. And from a practical level, what we do is like, as a leader, once you establish your own purpose and values, it's, and it's in the book in terms of how you can do that. So purpose comes back to ask yourself, don't, you know, don't make this too, don't overthink it. Number, ask yourself three questions. Where does your energy lie? Like what actually really gets you energized in a positive way or what just really pisses you off? Number one, that's a question for your purpose. The second one is where's your talents? So what do people ask you to do without even you saying anything? Cause they see that you're so talented in that. The third thing is impact. What is it that you as a human being wanna make an impact in the world? And you ask those three questions, jot them down a piece of paper, could be post-it note, whatever. That's the actual draft of your purpose statement. If repeat, you don't have one already. Those one more time. So where's your energy? Like whether it's like makes you super positive or pisses you the hell off. Where's your talent where people are asking you, hey, can you help me do this? Because it's so natural that you're doing that and you're able to. And the third is impact. Like what is it as you personally want to, you know, want to make an impact in the world or your community or society? Put those three things, uh, answers together. That's your initial purpose statement. And then in the values exercise, I talked about already in happiness heartbeats. So once you as a leader have the purpose and values together, what I would say is that the most next practical thing to do is you'll number one, either see some aha moments where you're like, oh, wow, like this is what I'm here for and what I want to be focusing on. And then the next thing I would say is take your top five leaders in your company and ask them to do the same thing and then just have a conversation. Everyone brings their own purpose and values to the room. And that's the next most practical thing to, for you as a leader to see how tangible it is when people get engaged at that level, then it's like, hey, we know we need to make these targets. You know, we have to have a certain number of calls. These are our revenue goals, but this is how we're gonna run this company now because this is these are the reasons why we're doing this from a numbers point of view to be more profitable. And just in that exercise alone. So number one, start with yourself, do it with five leaders in your company and just see the results. And that changes the whole tone of the conversation of what you are actually really doing for the bigger, you know, towards your purpose, but also the, the greater society in our, in our life, in our world. I love it. Not, not to mention, I think your people will, will definitely appreciate the fact that, you know, it, it's almost humanizing. Yep. It's, it's totally different than you're, you're, you're kind of removing those business barriers. And well, Jen, this is awesome. Um, this is totally deep. Uh, you know, I'm, most of my conversations are very tactical and, you know, this is, you do this and you get this and, you know, are selling something. Right. I, I love, I love this because this is uh, this is a conversation. I don't think we have enough. My mm -hmm. guess is that there's a lot of people out there like me that are probably thinking to themselves, damn, I, I want more. I, have, I want to talk to Jen more. I want to hear Jen more. Uh, so if they're thinking that, where can they go find you? Where can they go connect with you? And where can they go find the book? 
Yeah, so I met uh, jenlim.com, this is J-E-N-N-L-I-M.com, and that was a, a, a new website uh, for the book launch, but before that, uh, deliveringhappiness.com was the company that Tony and I co-founded in 2010, so you can ping me there, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually old school, I use email, so you can also email me too, <laughs> but yeah. I'd love to hear what you think and how your exercises go and what kind of impact you feel or, or maybe slight differences that you're feeling from having these conversations. I love it. I love it. And so uh, Beyond Happiness, is it out or is it coming out? Uh, it's coming out October 12th. Oh, awesome. So by the time this is you're listening to this, it's already yeah, out. That's um, right. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and, and uh, where, where do you think was Amazon the best place to go get it? Or is there anything, any place that they should go? It's basically your personal preference, but if you go to jenlim.com, then whatever you like to support in terms of bookseller, then there's independent ones and there's Amazon and all that. And I think this is coming out after we're actually doing a, we're calling it Beyond Happy Palooza event on October 29th. So this is probably coming out after, but just something to keep in mind. We'll have content on my site, but doing interviews with um, like Adam Grant, Peter Demonis, Sean Aker, the CEO of Burning Man. I mean, just, and like talking to folks from Primus and, and I don't know, like across <laughs> the drummer of Primus, we really wanted to cast this big net of, hey, happiness is really something that's important for us to ask ourselves what it means 2020 BC and today. And we just want to invite that. I just want to invite that conversation uh, into our day-to-day -day lives to make it more as meaningful as we can. So if that event has already occurred by the time they're listening to this, can they go back and watch it? Yeah. So just come to jenlim.com. Uh, we'll have content there. That's Jen with two N's. Mm -hmm. uh, L-I-M is the last name. Jen, this is uh, fantastic. Uh, one last question. What, what, uh, is, what, is beyond what is beyond beyond happiness? What's next? <laughs> I love that question. No one's asked me that yet. <laughs> I've been doing tons of these podcasts. Um, you know what it is for me? This, everything that I, we just talked about, everything that I wrote in the book, I'm actively living it right now because there's just so much engaging new discussions and dialogue about all this. And I feel like what's beyond beyond is by, Launching the, launching the book is one thing, whatever, but having these conversations that we're having, having these conversations on, you know, beyond happy Palooza, that's going to open a whole new realm of what it means for people. And that's why I really wanted to do this podcast with you. It's like, I want to hear what people, they think what's beyond happiness for them. And then that becomes a more rich and constructive and practical discussion on where this world is going with you know, how to be really grounded and rooted in what means the most. So that's where I think Beyond Beyond is going. Love it. I love it. And you know what? Coming out of this COVID world, I think that there's definitely going to be a need because uh, there's going to be a lot of recovery that needs to occur. Uh, so, Jen, this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to you and, and, and getting to know you and uh, wish you the best of best of successes and stay in touch. And and um, I'm going to have to get myself a copy of that book. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. Take care. You too. Today's podcast is brought to you by Follow a Boss. Follow a Boss is 
the real estate CRM that turns every agent into a top performer. Follow-up Boss is packed with features, but it's intuitive and easy to use, so agents love working with it, and it integrates with everything. Use multiple lead sources? Guess what? Follow-Up Boss keeps them all organized. Want to try new marketing channels? Switch website providers? Plug them right into Follow-Up Boss. Visit followupboss.com forward slash lab code to see how Follow-Up Boss helps you close more deals. That's followupboss.com forward slash lab code. Agents Podcasts.